Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. Uh, this is one you wouldn't actually see in regular intro psych. A lot, you probably noticed that in essence, what I've been doing here is I've been reteaching you 1106 and 1107. No, in essence, that's what's going on. But bringing in the evolutionary angle, right? Uh, I hope one day that this will not be necessary, and that's just how it'll be taught, but that's a whole nother matter. I think that will happen uh, in 10, 20 years. 15. 15 max. 12. I think 12 and a half years. But there are. Almost all the topics you've talked about are topics you've read into before. This is one you haven't, I wouldn't think, made choice. And this is more the biological tradition. Um, if you look at animal behavior, if you look at uh, stuff about sexual selection, if you've taken that kind of stuff in biology, you would say, yeah, well, of course you're going to have this. But it isn't something that traditionally psychologists have looked at as, like I said, a separate chapter in an intro book or some such thing. So it's a little bit different that way, which I think makes it a little more interesting. Um, okay, so, many of you have been asked these questions in bars before. Can I buy you a drink? And if you ask, what this has been done, this kind of, as an experiment, um, unattached men uh, not wearing wedding rings, so like they're, they're making it clear that they're not married. Um, approaching women in a bar and asking this question, and 100% of women for this just say, yeah, sure, because it's a free drink. Yeah, that's, guys and girls don't differ here. Men and women don't differ. So women approach men, they say yes. Men approach women, they say yes. No problem, everybody wants free drinks. <laughs> Would you like to go out with me? Most people, it's in the 90s almost, here, if, you know, you're hanging out, what the hell, right? And again, you're single people. We're talking, you screen out people that are in relationships. Almost everybody says yes to this too. Men and women, there's no difference. Right, this is after a little conversation. Then there's want to have sex. Women, no women say yes to this. Women don't go, okay. Uh, this is a beautiful experiment, by the way. Clark and Hatfield, 1989. Uh, 73% of men say yes. No women. <laughs> so, so, so a vast majority of men go, oh yeah, sure, why not? Right? And women are like, yeah, no, yeah, you went too far there. Yeah, the drink was okay. The, will you go out with me? That's fine. <laughs> you, you really stepped, you skipped a few steps there, dude. So, but it's interesting because, first of all, this is a great sex difference. This is really pretty data, right? Because what a huge disparity. That's the first thing. But secondly, you know what's interesting here? If these were deer, all the males would say yes. So it's interesting, even men, well, well men may be pigs, um, and not nearly as choosy as, as, as women, as far as mate choice, they're still clearly choosy. Because 27% said no, and you would probably find a pretty damn small number of women, or sorry, ma- a, a male deer, they, you'll call them man deers. <laughs> Bucks, I believe is the official name. They don't say no. If a female uh, is in heat and presents herself to a male, he doesn't go, yeah. No, you're just not my type. Doesn't happen. But it does happen <laughs> in, in humans. So, while this is a huge, huge difference, and interestingly, no difference here, no difference here with these two. Um, 
it still shows us that we are different. There is something exceptional about humans. Right? There is something I think that we would call human exceptionalism. There is, we are so different from every other animal on this planet. We're still animals, we're still governed by all the same rules, but there are there is something special about humans. There's no doubt about that. But even with that, with saying, yeah, look, men are choosy too, they're still not clearly as choosy as women. There's a difference here between sexes, so I think denying it is a little silly. Um, you will hear people deny this kind of stuff, but uh, it doesn't tend to work that way. All right. Questions on that? It's a pretty neat study. Okay. So sexual selection. Now there's two kinds of, there's, okay, you know what natural selection, we've talked a lot about that. Then there's sexual selection. How many people here have taken intro biology? Couple of you, so you, a few of you know, intro, know about sexual selection. You guys can go to sleep for now. Uh, sexual selection is just between, is, 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 so you've got inter, intrasexual selection, that's within a sex. That's competition within a sex for, mate, for mates. So when you think about it, that's like when, so male-male competition or female-female competition. So male-male competition could lead could be something like, usually it's displays. It's usually ritualized fighting, displaying, that kind of thing. So when you think of like um, moose, buddy heads, that's male-male competition. And that explains why moose have really giant, stupid antlers that are so heavy that it's hard for them to carry around. They're in fact almost a burden. Right? They're a burden for the moose, for the male moose. It would be a lot easier if they didn't have to carry a giant set of antlers around. Because they're not using to do it. Most don't go hunting. They hunt grass. They're simply for fighting other males. Right? Moose aren't preyed upon by anybody but humans out in the wild, right? There's not like cheetahs out there preying on moose. This is North America. Those freaking big horns are, are simply for competing against other males. So what happens is you're going to get selection. It's called sexual selection in this intrasexual selection for big horns. Even if it's a burden for the rest of their life, it still allows them to get mates. Um, and you get a female. You get a female-female competition too. Um, you can see this in almost any animal where there's a sexual dimorphism, right? So that's where you have. Uh, Difference between the sexes. That tends to go with a different mating system. It doesn't go with monogamy, so you don't have it. A lot of birds aren't sexually dimorphic. But if you look at humans, for example, we are. Right? So this explains things like rounded hips in women, uh, boobs, things like that. Okay? Uh, it explains that's female female competition. That's females competing for males. So we have intra, then we have intersexual selection, which is competition between the sexes. You're usually going to have more sexual selection. T 
typically, it's thought of this way, that intrasexual selection is going to be much more common in males because females are more choosy than males in almost every species of animal. That, that, that has a, what's called a polygonous mating system where it's one male to many females. Okay. And of course, we have that here in humans where the females are much more choosy than the males. Oh, a female, like a woman, female human, can produce one child a year, unless there's twins or something. Unless she's octomom. Remember octomom? Where do they find these people at? And where are these doctors? You go in, you've already got a whole bunch of kids. You go in, you say, you know what I'd like to do is I'd like to have a lot more kids. I have no job, but I need way more kids. Can you give me fertility drugs? And the doctor's like, yeah, sure. Anyway. Something wrong with the world. When I'm, when I'm finally philosopher, king, and benevolent dictator, I'm going to fix all this crap. <laughs> I've said too much. So a woman can produce one child a year. A uh, man can produce as many as he can, you know. It's true, right? Now, it's got to go to other females. can't just go to one woman, right? It can't be tied down to one woman, baby. It's not natural. Um, don't ever let anyone use that as an excuse with you, please, okay? That's the, just point out that's naturalistic fallacy, and then also point out what an asshole your husband or boyfriend is. Um, so, this is interesting because those are two different mating strategies. They both work... Right? They both work, but the female's gonna do a lot, there's a lot more investment than the male. Right? Now, males do do investment, and because females demand it, it's sexual selection. Females, when they're choosing a male, will choose someone reliable. Right? We'll talk about this with female, what women find attractive. Uh, a certain word in right order. So women, well, well, the best strategy for a guy was well, a one strategy for a guy is just have sex with anything that moves, right? It's when I get one of those times when I hope Rick Myers didn't just walk by. Okay. Hey, Rick, I'm just telling these guys that the world works. <laughs> um, so that's a strategy for guys. Thing is. Another strategy for a guy is to put a lot of investment in and also kind of guard the female to make sure she's not screwing around with him. And then when the baby's born, he puts investment in there, right? He helps. Because, like, you know, having, just having sex with many, 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 many women is an approach. And some of them are going to live to be reproductive age, and that's fine. The other approach for a guy would be not very many women and make sure that they make reproductive age by hanging around and being helpful. But the biggest thing is here, females are going to demand it. The females are going to, that's going to be sexual selection then. So there's going to be some selection that females are, because of doing the choosing, they're going to say, only with more reliable guys. So this is going to slow the reproductive rate of guys drastically. 
because of parental, parental investment slows it down. And the females demand parental investment, typically. So humans themselves, what are we like? Are we like deer, which is, you know, just as long as it's possible you have sex? Or are we like Vulcans, just once every seven years when you have the ceremony of Pon Far? Star Trek reference, nobody? Okay. Wrong with you, people. I refuse to believe there's something wrong with me about constantly making Star Trek references. I believe it's all of you guys. So, thing is, I think, you know, we're somewhere in the middle, obviously. Right? But it's not the case that we're like deer, where we just... Or, or like even chimps. And happily, we're not like vocals. Now, you might say, wait a second, most people have sex not for having babies, but for because it's fun. And about with the loving and then the bonding. Yeah, I think that's true. Well, nobody's going to deny that. The thing is, what's, you got to think about this evolutionarily. What's the function of sex? Well, the function is that babies smash your genes on. Right? There's a reason it feels good. Right? If it felt horrible, you wouldn't ever do it and you wouldn't pass your genes on. Right? So if it did feel horrible to any of your ancestors, well, they didn't, they didn't, they wouldn't be your ancestors, actually, because they probably never had sex and therefore you're not related to them. So let's talk about reproductive systems in humans. 85% of cultures, this is looking at cross-cultural stuff, allow polygamy. One man to many women. Okay. 85% of cultures allow this. All right. Our prohibitions on polygamy are actually really recent. They're recent things. And, 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 you know, we tend to think that our culture, which is the dominant one on the earth, right? Western liberal democracy kind of thing. Uh, while it's, it, is the most, it is, probably is the dominant culture on the earth, most people don't live like us. Right? And even in Western society, uh, the guy who might end up a week from today being president, I don't think he will be. But he might be. His grandfather had more than one wife. Mittens Romney? Mitch Romney? Mittens Romney? I, I, I call him. I like to call him Mittens. Then, then it turned out Letterman calls him Mittens and Mitch as well. I just think that it's not really his name. But his grandfather had more than one wife. Right? So, and that's like, no, that has nothing to do with him. It doesn't make him, you know, okay. No, seriously, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a fan, but I wouldn't say that that means like, secretly he's bigotous. Yes, and secretly Obama's a Muslim. Um, again, that's a joke. He's a crypto-Muslim fascist, communist, atheist, yeah. and socialist, and uh, death panels, and uh, yeah. I, Sarah Palin told me on Twitter. Uh, so the thing is, that's pretty recent, right? And there still are sets of people in North America we know. There's that colony, uh, sort of Mormon, radical Mormon colony in um, BC, where there's polygamy, right? I'm not saying I like it, right? But it's there. It's illegal, 
But no one ever gets charged with it, really, because it probably violates the Constitution of the, the, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms to say that you can't have more than one wife. So the government doesn't really want to charge anybody with this because then the laws get thrown out. Because you wonder why the hell they don't they just go in and it's, it's illegal what they're doing. Right? That's probably why. Um, these guys here, this is Esok Vital, which is a great name. Sounds like perhaps uh, some sort of designer. And McGuire uh, interviewed women, uh, compared to reproductive women that had affairs with women that didn't have affairs. Okay, so this is now, how do, how do we, in our society, where polygamy is, first of all, it's illegal, and secondly, it's really frowned upon, right? If I told you, like if a guy ever said to you, well, I've got more than one wife, you go, excuse me? You've got more than one what now? What did you say? Did you say wife? Because that, I heard that, that can't be true. Right, or some guy said, well, I've got, I've got a couple girlfriends. No. You mean actual girlfriends or just... Yeah. Really, because that's odd. They know about this, both of them? Well, no, I haven't told them. Um, and that's actually how we end up with a... We are mildly polygamous in our society. That's how we do it. People screw around on each other. And there's this sort of serial monogamy, people call it. So we can look at people that are having affairs with people that aren't. And there's actually, for women, this is interesting. This, this, this shows us, in fact, that it doesn't matter for women... This is cold, hard evolutionary thinking here. We are not talking about morality. It doesn't help their reproductive rate to have an affair. And you can say, well, yeah, most of them aren't trying to have babies when they have an affair. In fact, that's probably the last thing they want. This makes sense, though. Women can have basically one baby a year. Right? So how can it affect the reproductive rate? So it goes... Basically, what I'm saying is the behavior and the results go along with the physiology. Right? Which, this, this follows. Um, humans, as I said, like us, we humans, we living in Western, modern Western liberal democracy, um, we're polygonists, mildly. Well, how do you define, I should actually explain this, how do you define polygamy? It's just the, the, the uh, variance of number of mates. So, and then if the variance is bigger for, for, for males than it is for females for number of mates, we say we have polygamy. Okay, so that's male and that's female. If it goes the other way, that's called polyandry. Uh, that's vanishingly rare. It happens, but it's exceedingly rare. In all the animal kingdom, not just in humans. Uh, there are species that are like this. Uh, seahorses are polyandrous. And they've totally got a sexual reversal. In fact, uh, in seahorses, the males carry the fertilized eggs, and as the males are pregnant. Can you call Polyandry. Polyandry, or what? means many males. It's Latin and Greek. Polygonists, like the guy from like, the same group as gynecologists, right? Many women. Poly, right? And then if they're the same, we call them monogamy. Okay? And that's 
the uncommon one. It's not as uncommon as this, but the way more common mating system in the animal kingdom is polygamy. And again, it follows with the idea that it's easier to make sperm than it is to make eggs, etc., etc. You go further than that, going on. So how do we end up with polygamy when it's uh, when it's frowned upon and illegal in our society? How do we end up with this situation? Well, people get divorced and they remarry. The thing is, men remarry more than women do. Okay. Uh, men also, when they remarry, remarry younger women. Right? So, guys don't, when they, if they get divorced when they're 50, they don't tend to marry another 50 year old woman, who their wife was probably 50 years old when they just divorced. They'll marry a 30 year old woman, a 25 year old woman. Much more common. So, men, and they, as I said, they remarry more. What men are doing is they're capturing the fertile years of women. Okay? That's what, again, I don't think guys are doing this on purpose. I don't think that guys that are 50 are going around, you know, I'd really like to have more kids. Maybe they are. I don't know. I don't know what that's like. I'm not happily not in that situation. Um, but, I, you know, I don't think men walk around when they're in their 50s and they got divorced or in their 40s they get divorced thinking, gee, I hope this is some 18-year-old girl that falls in love with me. In fact, I think most guys would go, that's not going to even happen. What am I? Nah. Or someone in their 20s. But men actually, what they end up doing is they, despite, I think, what they imagine, they're capturing the fertile years of females. Right? And of course, there's also the, 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 the affairs. And men have more affairs than women do. You say, well, wait a second. It takes two to have an affair. How, how could that be different? Because men have more affairs with more women than women do. Women won't be screwing around on more than one person. Men do. Because men are pigs. Okay. Question so far? Right. Hey, you do this, you can become president of the United States. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> I can do a Bill Clinton. I still haven't, I don't have Obama. I can do, I can't really do Bush. I'm just doing John Stewart doing Bush, but I can do Clinton. So probably by the time I'm somewhere in my 60s, I'll have Obama now. By the time one of his daughters is president. Because apparently that's what they do in the States now. Like Bush, Clinton, Bush, Clinton, Bush, Clinton, Obama. You watch, the next president will be like Chelsea Clinton. And then Malia Obama. Chelsea seems smart enough with the hell. Okay. Um, the thing is, we're both choosy, men and women, right? I mean, think about it. 27% of men in that, in that study didn't say, yes, I'll go have sex with you. And that's striking because in a, in a, in a, in a monkey, in a, in a deer, in a, in a dog, in a hydra, <laughs> hydra, you don't bring up hydra that often. I don't bring up hydra enough. Um, 
the males would just say yes every time. Right. Any other mammal, but any other animal. So there's something going on here with men as well. So it's interesting because we're not... I'm not apologizing here, by the way, for the screwing around on women or anything like that. So we're really not that bad, so give us some slack. Um, what I'm saying is that we're still... Again, this is human exceptionalism. There's, we're somehow different than other animals. So we're both choosy. Men less than women. No one's going to argue that. We're just choosy for different stuff. We're choosy for different stuff. Okay. Well, we're probably both after good genes. That seems like a reasonable guess. Doesn't it? Yeah, that's a good guess. But we're both after good genes. Okay. So when we look at physical attractiveness, is it related to your, the quality of your genes? Well, we would think it would be, right? And it may be actually related to parasite load. Now, parasite load is how much how many parasites you carry. Now, again, for those of us now living in modern world, hopefully it's not very many. You know, you probably don't have a lot of tapeworms, a lot of lice, that kind of stuff. You have some, we all have some, you know, there's mites living in your eyebrows, things like that. Have you ever seen those things? It's kind of gross. not really good to think about. But they're there. They're eating away your dead skin. You actually kind of need them. Look, they evolved too. It's a perfectly good environment. <laughs> no, no, you, should, you ever seen these things? In no. Like electron microscopy? Oh, yeah, there's bugs living all over your body. But they're doing a job and they're not hurting anybody. Now, if there's too many of them, that's not good. Oh, dear God. <laughs> so you don't, want to, you don't want to Google this, do you? So <laughs> no. You should. It's really kind of creepy. Uh, I prefer to be ignorant. Yeah, I mean, it's what it, you know, frankly, it, now, now you're going to get itchy, though. I can tell it's just like that. <laughs> but people don't know that. They say, I, I should Google some pictures and show you because they look like they're from other worlds, too. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do some Googling here. <laughs> something you should all know about. Um, okay. Thanks. I learned about this stuff when I was like nine. I freaked out. I was very, very afraid. Okay, no, it's true, but I just try to forget about it and press it if I can. Okay, let's see if we can find them. Let's go for the images on the Google. <laughs> are there critters? Okay. Oh, those are so beautiful. <laughs> So that's electron microscopy right there. They're Don't, my friends. <laughs> well, they're actually doing. They're actually the thing is you need them. They're 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 get, they're eating dead skin. They're useful. Those are the useful ones. The bad ones are things like lice. You know, stuff that can actually do something that isn't good. So this may be then related, like I said, to parasite load. This is a a, um, a theory. That people that study uh, mating in birds have talked about it a lot. So it's related to your parasite load. 
Because too many parasites and you don't develop properly and also it's hard to maintain um, things like smooth skin, things like that. Okay? And we want to have a mate that's going to produce pathogen-resistant offspring. In other words, have a good immune system. So really this is all about is your immune system working properly? Even, the, even your fantasy woman or man has eyebrow bites. Just remember that. Everybody's got it. And they're delicious. <laughs> no, they're not. I don't know. Maybe they, you probably have eaten them. <laughs> I'm just doing this out of school with Sophie. It's the only reason I'm doing it. There's no other reason now. Just, just, I'm enjoying that. Um, I don't like germs. <laughs> shouldn't bother you. It's like the gut bacteria. It belongs there. It's there for a reason. It's that's what I keep telling myself, so I'm not sitting there going and washing my hands. Like, really <laughs> yeah, it really shouldn't bother you. I mean, you know, that's... Uh, and in fact, if you wash, if you overwash your hands and your, your countertops and stuff like that, you're actually selecting for pathogen-resistant bugs. Yeah. It's a bad idea. I mean, you should wash up now and then, but use the, use the, use the uh, principles of natural selection. You don't want to overdo that, or all you end up doing is having a little micro... Experiment in natural selection where you're selecting for animals, little pathogens, uh, so bacteria and stuff that are actually resistant to, uh, to, to, to like uh, hand sanitizers and all that stuff. So you end up with C. difficile in your house. It doesn't usually go that far. So this is interesting, by the way. This may explain a really neat phenomenon. Do you know about the idea of what's called the uncanny valley? You know what that is? The idea, this, this won't be gross. You know how sometimes you see like a picture of a person, but it's like a, it's, it's a, it's a, maybe a robot or a cartoon, a computer generated cartoon, and it looks so close to being human, but it doesn't, and it's repulsive? You know what I'm talking about? Kind of. You see the fun, now back to Google again. So the notion here, and where am I? I'll get that off my screen. Here we go. Look, that far. Right there, anyway. There's one. So let's go for some images here. There you go, there's one. So that picture right there. I can't, let's move that Now, isn't that just a little creepy? And it's almost a little repulsive, right? See if we can find a better one. If if you let's see. Whoops, the one on the right there is kind of creepy. This one here. That was a little creepy. That was a little creepy. That one is the Okay. That's actually a really nice example because that's really close to looking like a human. Right? It's really, really close to looking like a human. But it doesn't look like a human, but it's so close. This is the notion here that we may be perceiving this as a really heavily, uh, as, as another human being carrying a huge parasite load. Because it's so, it looks close enough to be a human that we go, oh. Because, you know, we like robots. We all, who doesn't love robots? We like robots until they start looking like people, then we go, oh, they're gross and weird, and they're going to take over. Yeah. If they look like this, we got no problem. You know, if they're like Bender, we think robots are great. 
But when they start, and of course, Bender runs on alcohol and, and cigars, so he's, he's really not unlike many of the members of our department. Um, but when they start looking enough like this, it creeps us out, and we get, and you can actually see is that there's a graph of the uncanny valley right there. So we have, doesn't look like us, doesn't look like us, starts to look a lot like us, and oh, we're grossed out. <laughs> yeah, and it's, yeah, like, and it looks like something that is almost human. And it's, the, the notion is, it's our parasite detection system that looks for symmetry, clean skin, all these kind of things. And it sees something that's very close to human, but not close enough. And we repulse by it, so I'm going to catch something that thing. It's kind of like, I know you look at a picture. Um, Mitt Romney is part is in the Uncanny Valley. Um, I think he is a robot. They don't make blow-up dolls that look really close to us. I something. don't know. I don't know enough about blow-up. You don't think about blow-up sex dolls, aren't you? I really don't know. I, don't, I just don't think the technology's there yet. Because I'm thinking guys that buy blow-up sex dolls, I doubt, I, I think they, you know, in the dark. That's my guess. Most of them look all fun and in dark. Well, I think most of these guys are, you know. Uh, I don't know why you wanted to know, and I don't know why I think I would know. So I'm just, I honestly have no clue. Uh, but, you know, that's not a bad guess. That's not a bad guess. But I think it's more a technological thing. They can't make dolls that look like like, lo- like, like, like lovely ladies. They have, like, I just say, it's the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. I've been in a sex store. It's supposed to be a fake vagina, and written on it says, sex of a woman. And I'm like, what are they fucking with that thing? Like, I was like, I'm okay with that. So you guys are getting upset when I'm talking about eyebrow mites, but you're going in the masturbation toys, and there's no problem with that, right? Okay. Just keep, it's on the internet. This is on the record. Remember that. So, Our genes, uh, sorry, our immune system is built by a complex of genes called the MHC. Okay? Um, and this is also true in mice and all kinds of, basically pretty much any animal. Okay? Now, the thing is, the MHC also produces, well, I'll explain that again. We should prefer mates that are similar to most characteristics to us, right? Because we're going to have similar genes, and we're, we're, we're going to want to have the same genes. So we'll have a young. We're going to. You want a little bit more than fifty percent, than than just a chance relationship. But they should have different MHC genes because you want the immune system to be as diverse as possible, right? You want the immune system to be as diverse as possible. So how are we going to detect if our potential mate has a different MHC complex? Um, well, we can just smell their armpits or their urine. In other words, this is something we can detect. This is something we can detect. Um, it's like a pheromonal type thing. We know, in fact, that uh, mice can do this, for example. They can detect if it's their pee or... or or a relative's P, and they're doing this to the MHCG. I believe some of that work was done with uh, that Cheryl Reed Elder did some of that work when, when she was in grad school. Not the armpit one, the the the, 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 uh, 
Mouse Pete with Richard Brown at the Housing. I think it was a project shoot. So basically, how are these experiments done? You get women to smell the armpits of men. They don't smell the armpits. They smell a t-shirt. Right? So you take a t-shirt, they put it in a, in a Ziploc bag. And it's not like, you know, it's just like, go for the run. It's not like, ugh. But they're not wearing any yogurt. Okay? So we can detect these things. Okay, parental investment. Let's think of what, if we, once the kid's born, right, once you've made it and then you've got a kid, what is the investment? Men's investment is economic, and that can mean money, but it can also just mean any kind of resources. So when I say economic, in our society, it tends to be money um, to buy stuff, but it could be if we were hunter-gatherers, that could be food and things like that, right? So I mean, when I say economic, I mean it in that sense. Women's uh, investment tends to be physiological. They not only have they carried the baby for nine months, now they have the kid and now they feed it by secreting milk. That's that's pretty that's that's a physiological investment. And if you've ever been around someone who's breastfeeding, they drink they, they eat and drink a lot more than they do when they're not breastfeeding. So what should men and women prefer in maids then? Well, women should rate economic stuff um, like, I don't know, salary. It's a nice judge uh, economic ability. Uh, more importantly than men do. Right, so if we were to look at this, and look at what women prefer and what men prefer, women should rate salary higher than men do. Right? And you know, I thought that women were in the workforce and all that and all the socialization. Yeah, sure. This is true. And no one's arguing that. And no one's arguing, I'm not saying that women shouldn't contribute financially and all this crap. I'm saying that if we asked people what they prefer, what they found attractive, Women are going to rate job status higher than men are. Okay? So the next thing to look at here is personal ads. Right? So you look at personal ads, you can look at uh, online ones, you can look at ones in, in newspapers, whatever. But personal ads are great because they're actually expressing preferences. And it's also people describing, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Describing themselves, right? <coughs> God damn. Um, women to men. Looking at when women mention when they're in their, when they're seeking somebody in personal ads. Um, women's personal ads in eleven to one ratio mention someone's job or how much money they make. Men mention it, just an 11th the amount of time that women do. Hmm. And if you ask single women about this, about what they rate as important 
they rate earning and earning potential a lot more importantly than men do. Okay? Hmm. And again, I'm not saying that men don't care. I'm saying that if you compare what women and men rate, men don't tend to mention this nearly as much as women, as we can see here. It's a tenfold difference. Um, when women are putting down other women, when they are criticizing other women, they make fun, and they're talking about their boyfriends or their husbands. And this is done by looking at... Uh, Overhearing conversations, basically. Public conversations, so you're not like bugging people in their homes. That would be unethical. But women tend to put down their friends, boyfriends' ability, they put down their job, they put down the car they have, things like this, how much money they make, that people wear lousy looking clothes, the boyfriends do. Not that the women do, when they're putting down other women's boyfriends, that's what I'm talking about. They don't say he's not good looking as much as they say he's lazy and he doesn't make any money. That's pretty cool. And that's actually something you see in every culture, which is also pretty awesome. That's the test they all these Is that it's the men's resource gaining ability that is being mocked here. It is not their looks. Again, people, I'm not saying people don't mock the looks. What I'm saying is they're more likely to mock the ability to, to get resources. Questions on that so far? See, I consider I don't have conversations with women about their husbands or boyfriends. I don't know about this, but I'm going to accept that they are true. I don't know if the women here would agree with this, but this is the data show. But I mean, I know what your personal experiences say. But so there's this notion out there that with this structured powerlessness that, and I think there is to a point, by the way. Okay, that um, women prefer this because that's how the world works, right? And there's probably something to be said to this, that men, look, guys make, oh, women probably make, what is it, about between 70 and 80 cents on the dollar for the same job that men do. That's pretty sad, and it's immoral, but it's also true. So it makes some sense, considering the way our society is structured, for women to want to be more attractive to guys and to make more money, because frankly, guys... They can't make nearly as much money as men, even when they're doing the same job. Guys have more access, so it makes sense for women to prefer guys with bigger wallets. Right? So even if you are saying this is a sort of an evolutionary explanation, but you say, look, women are just going to care about their young, just like, you know, that makes sense. They're going to care about themselves. So if that's the case, they're going to want guys that can do better. That makes some sense, I got you. 
And that's how the universe works anyway. It may not be nice or good or fair, but it's true. Okay, so this is what's causing this. If this kind of explanation, and I'm not saying this isn't partially true, by the way, but if this kind of explanation is what explains why women prefer guys that make more money, it should then be the case that women with a lot of access to power and money, they shouldn't care about a man's earning power as much as other women. Right? Did that, does that make sense, why that follows? Or do you think that follows, actually? Because yes. I want to make sure that I'm not, my reasoning isn't ridiculous here. No, like, I think about, like, for example, just thinking, like, relating it to a celebrity. Like, look at Jennifer Lopez. She has tons of money, and she's dating a dancer. She doesn't, she can have whoever she wants. Okay, so you're saying that, I mean, that is, that would be the example that would follow along yeah. with this. Okay. So if it's the case that it's mostly caused by the structure of our society. In other words, if it's caused by, if it's a social reason and not a, a deeper biological reason, it should be the case that the Jennifer Lopez example is the common example among women with a lot of access to power and money. Okay, so that, that but does that follow? Because I just want to make sure, not because there's like three guys in the room. And we are a prep for, sorry, and we are oppressing all of you right now. Just remember that. <laughs> I get to oppress Patty. It's in the, it's in the, yeah, I think girls like my, a woman might be more lenient, right? Like, if, like, maybe. say if I was poor and I knew I didn't have a lot of money, then maybe I'd be more interested in having someone who I know could take care of me financially. Yes. But then if I have a lot of money, then I'm. That's, that's, the, that's the notion, if this is true. Yeah. If this is true. And I'm not saying it's not true, because I'm. Believe me, um, I am disgusted by the idea that women don't make make, make like 80 cents on the dollar or less, depending on the country, uh, for the same work that men do. It's also bizarre to me because I don't live in a, I don't have a, a work environment where that's true. Uh, so it's really weird to me that that even happens. I don't see how it does happen, but I know it happens. Right? I... It, to me, it's just so strange. Did you hear my elbow snap right there, by the way? Is that a little frightening to you? Because to me, I'm a little scared of it. I'm getting old. <laughs> yes, sir? It makes sense to me, personally, if, like, ever a woman with lots of money and access, probably from past experiences, I would not want a guy who didn't have as much. I'd want them to be self-sufficient because I fear yeah. that they're going to want me to be the sugar mama and they're going to end up being, like, a parasite leaching off me. And Okay. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's another way to think about it. That's right. Unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So, David Buss, who's a great evolutionary psychologist, done a lot of stuff, especially on main choices. And he's started as a regular personality psychologist and switched over to evolutionary stuff and started reading about it, and he's done some great stuff. He's actually found no relationship between income and importance in men. In other words, men don't care about their, their potential partner's income. Um, and a nice positive one in women. Well, that makes sense that we, we've talked about that before. And the interesting thing is, it turns out, in fact, that women that will probably make more money, and you, how do you know that? Well, if someone's a law student and someone is, or a medical student compared to 
I don't know, because we know those people are going to make a lot of money compared to someone who says they're a poet. Most of your poets or philosophers, you know, they're, they're rolling in the dough. Right? What do you want to be when you grow up? I'd like to be a philosopher. I mean, that's not somebody, that's a great thing. Go ahead, but you're not going to, there's no superstar philosophers. Well, there are, but they end up being university professors and believe me, we do okay, but we're not rich. Um, so probably make more money than, than actually cases. There's, they care more about the earning potential of the, of the male, not less. So kind of what Sophie was saying, they, women with power actually care more, not less. So the Jennifer Lopez example, in fact, is not the case. Well, I'm not saying it's not true with her. In those scenarios, like, oh, he's probably with her. Like, he's just using her money. Right? Oh, like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that. Maybe very much in love. About a lot of women that have power, and they're just with guys that don't have a lot of money. Yeah. They're just like, oh, that guy's just with her for her money. Okay, yeah, people will say that. That's true. And of course, though, people would say that about women with men, too. Right? Um, but it seems to me that. I find this really interesting that it's actually the exact opposite to the direction you would predict if it was based solely on the fact that our society is structured such that women get the raw end of the deal monetarily. Right, and it is. I mean, there's no, no one's gonna argue that until we have complete equal pay for equal work, uh, we're failing, right? That's, that's a real failure. So this, to me, this is fascinating to me because, in fact, it goes exactly the opposite to what I would predict. I would kind of expect it because, I mean, if a woman is looking for somebody else who can provide the resources because they're normally the ones that are doing all the physical investment, yep. if they do have those resources, they're more likely to want to protect it because they don't want to risk losing it. To yeah, and yeah and I, think that, that, I think that follows too. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting because if, if it was simply, you would think that at that point women would be like, well, no, it's all about looks. I don't really care about money anymore. You know, I, I actually have the luxury to care about looks instead of money. You gotta be on defense because it can always go. Not saying I ever had money. No, I understand. Because you'll even find that if you're poor and somebody else is poor, they might just be like, hey, I'm going to feed off whatever you have. And yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, of course, poverty and just like happiness and a lot of other things are completely relative. People can. What would be poor for Bill Gates for all of us would be unfathomably wealthy, yeah. right? Uh, you know, so uh, there's that great story in the Walter Isaacson book about Steve Jobs because Jobs had a regular house, and when he went, Bill Gates went over to his house for the first time and said, "You mean your whole family lives here?" He said, "Bill, it's a five thousand square foot house. Yeah, my whole family lives here. It's a big <laughs> house, but there's five of you. Yeah, we don't have any living servants or anything, Bill. It's just a family, you know. So it's always a matter of perspective, right? So whatever is Rich for you is it for someone else, etc. So it's interesting to think about that. I mean, that, but this really—I mean—I I get the reasoning here. I'm not entirely sure this completely rejects the notion of the effect of how unfair our society is on women. But I think it does go against the idea that that's the only reason that women are preferring men with more income. I think it goes against that. I'm not saying it. it I think the book, when it talks about this, says, and therefore it can't just be. I don't think I'd interpret it that much. I think they're over-interpreting there. Right? Because I think, again, the woman's trying to protect what she has, kind of thing. There's less chance of some loser sponging off of her. But you know, it's funny. Think of what I just said there. 
When a guy does that, he's a loser who sponges off a woman. When a woman marries a rich guy, is she a loser who's sponging off a man? I don't think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm just curious because I, I don't know how women think about other women. That's when you call them the gold diggers. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's... It's still a sponge. But sometimes you think that they're, like, they've chosen a good mate to help support them so that yeah. they can... Like, if you think about it about it in traditional roles, like... Yes. Oh, exactly, yeah. Like, oftentimes women do think, I like a, a non-deadbeat husband who can support me, whereas men sometimes will choose women who do not matter what they do. They don't even have to, like... Work. They don't have to work because he can. Yeah. And we're okay with that for the most part. Yeah. I want to clarify my idea of sponging. I just want it to be like, you know, the person is not providing anything to the family unit and they're yeah. just living off of the other person's resources yeah. and sometimes excessively. Like yeah. the idea with the woman being the sponge would be, honey, I need to go out and buy this, give me more money, more money, more money. And meanwhile, he's one balancing checks. And it can work the other way around too. Sure. Men are like, give me more money. I want this, son. Yeah. I'm yeah. But it's funny because we think that's, we find that kind of, I see, look on people's faces. That's kind of amusing, the idea of a guy going, come on, give me some. So it is part, and that's partly about our society. There's no argument there, right? But I think you got a point, too, that especially looking at things sort of in traditional roles, you know, you never hear a, a, a Guys don't say when they when their guy friend marries a woman, hey, wow, good catch. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Women will say that about other women, like, oh wow, he like, does X, Y, or Z. You know, um, and it's just it's interesting to me because I'm a pretty. I like to think of myself as being quite uh, a bleeding heart liberal. You know, modern, happening, hip guy of the 21st century. And these things still come to mind in my head, though. You know, you're still lie awake at night thinking, how am I going to pay for something? I don't anymore. But I mean, that that's part of being a guy. We're sort of socialized that way. There's no doubt about that. But I think also it's part of like, it's my responsibility to do this. It's almost like it's built in, you know. I think it partly is. So what do men want? We don't want women want. Women want guys with big, big, big accounts. <laughs> and what the women, men want? Women. Lots and lots of women. <laughs> right? Young, fertile women. Because again, men are pigs. Uh, men like youth. Men like clear skin. Again, okay, this is the same. Women don't like these things too, okay? But men rate it higher in importance than women do. Uh, men like symmetry. And again, it's not like women don't like symmetry. It's like, well, women are okay if one eye is five centimeters higher than the other. <laughs> no, they're not. Okay, that doesn't look good. Right? And again, there was something like a parasite clone or something else. Those aren't good genes. But women, men rate these things higher than women do. It is much easier for men to agree on, and there's tons of data on this, a lot of it from David Buss, for men to agree on what good looking is. Men will almost always agree on that person's better looking than that person. Women don't. Women's uh, ideas of, of physical attractiveness are more idiosyncratic than men's are. A nice 
indicated, by the way, of what men find attractive in women is the waist-to-hip ratio. And it's also an indication of fertility. One of the things that estrogen does is it actually puts fat on your hips. Okay, just something it does. So, and when you're actually at your peak of fertility in your age, the ratio of your waist to your hips is 0.7. And if the right, exactly the right amount of estrogen, it'll do that. It'll do 0.7. And it's interesting that men find waist to hip ratios of 0.7 attractive. And it's not like men are going around and doing calculations. Right? Get out their calculators. That's 0.68. Sorry, honey. Not right. 0.73. Well, she wouldn't be a good mate. 0.701. Yes! Because there's got to be some measurement error. But it's interesting that this is something that, in fact, is cross-cultural. And men don't find... I don't know where women get the idea that men are all obsessed with really thin women. Because when you ask men what they find attractive, it's not about being super thin and, you know, people that throw up in a, in all the time and don't eat. Right? I've never understood that whole notion. But... I know people believe that... I've heard people say that things like anorexia are caused by, you know, the male media. But men don't find that attractive. They don't find super thinness attractive. In fact, what they're more interested in is a waist-to-hip ratio than they are into, uh, you know, I'm talking about, you know, so it was 600 pounds. But the most important thing that people notice is waist-to-hip ratio for guys. So that's kind of interesting, too. Questions on that? So men are a lot more interested in physical looks because, of course, or physical attractiveness, physical looks, kind of a redundant thing. Uh, because what happens here is that uh, they're better indicators of, of fertility, respective fertility. Um, so we have mixed and pure strategies as far as mating goes. Uh, most, you know, people can be unfaithful to each other. And it's actually hard to get rates of this. You ask people, this is one of those things, when you ask people, are you screwing around your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or perhaps all four? Thank you. Um, I never tire of that joke. This isn't socially desirable, right? This isn't, you know, a little bit about that. People don't tend to admit that they are racists. People don't tend to admit that they break laws. People don't tend to admit that they're unfaithful to their partner, even to a survey, because it's not, it doesn't look good. It's not socially desirable, even if you are. Um, the study at the beginning, though, the one I talked about with the do you want to have sex with me experiment, that gives us an idea that there's much more probability of men being unfaithful to women. I have seen data that suggests that 90% of in this Canadian data, 90% of relationships in the last year, there hasn't been an incident of someone screwing around on the other person. That still means 10% have been. You're welcome. Well, so yeah, I mean... We don't really know exactly what the, the, the data are, and I don't know that I trust them very well anyway, because people don't tend to say, yeah, I'm just going to run my wife. 
It's just not something people do. What do we prefer when we are screwing around in our partner? Ah, interesting question. Well, first of all, men's standards drop considerably. That's scary. Yeah. Actually, no, I always thought that that doesn't surprise me at all. Why doesn't it surprise you? serious. Like, they aren't like trying to find the most perfect, gorgeous girl to have an affair with. They're just going to have an affair with a girl who they know they're going to get some from. Yeah, go ahead. It's sad these days the, with technology and social media. Oh. I discovered this. It's, it's always really hard discovering it. Um, the amount of like no strings attached. Like, there are so many sites where men can actually go, and they actually have a box for them to click saying, I'm attached, but I'm looking for some of this on the side. Yeah. So they can click, do they want man involved too? Do they want this involved, this involved? It's so yeah. Oh, no. You know, that was always available. It's now just that it's a click away, and it's available on your phone. And it's so easy to find somebody within yeah. this mile radius of you as well. And oh, yeah. I mean, this is, so this is the difference. This, this, this whole, uh, I don't want to use the word subculture, but that's a word I guess I could use. And of course, when the women are putting up their pictures, they got everything hanging out. And yeah. Trivial. Oh, I'm sure. I say, yeah, like I know. I don't know. I say, yeah, I'm sure that's the case. <laughs> for everything you can like, not even imagine that's out there, it's out Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a website for everything. That's yeah. something that I came to understand when, in about 1994, when I first used <laughs> the World Wide Web when it came out. Um, Unfortunately, there's a lot of these sites, like, more than I ever considered possible. Oh, yeah, and I, I have no doubt about that. And they, they exist because they have ads on there that they make money with. So, I mean, it's pretty clear that somebody's, there's enough people, there's enough traffic. Yeah. Right. Um, so, men are, men's standards are lower because they're just looking to screw around. Um, that's the, that's the one thing we know. The interesting thing is we can talk about jealousy. Sexual jealousy. And this is something that, because affairs need jealousy, right? What are men jealous of? Men are jealous when they think that their partner is having sex with somebody else. That's, sure, that makes sense. Women are more concerned that their partner is actually having an emotional connection with somebody. Men don't care about that. And I remember the number of times when I've taught, well, not this class, but it was a special topics class a couple of times, and I have been blown away that women have said that they felt that way. Because I wouldn't care. I think it's perfectly, I, I'm sure my wife would have close relationships with men. I don't care. That's good. Good for her. Good friends. Yes, sir. And it's sad that it thinks this way because with everything going around these days too, there are sexual diseases that can be easily transmitted without, I mean, sorry, with the use of a condom like HPV, which can cause genital warts, it can cause cervical cancer in women, all sorts of things like that. So when you're thinking about it, you could possibly hold your mate's life in your hand if you bring home a disease that suddenly gives oh, you yeah. cervical cancer and they could die. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's serious stuff. To live with, which is why it also scared me the finding people who are a yeah. No, I mean, this is, this is, it's serious stuff. Yeah. Like, That's that old thing, the old uh, ads they used to have when, when AIDS first became, uh, and even before that, this before you, you guys started, like when herpes became a big sort of epidemic. Um, you're not sleeping just with your partner, you're sleeping with every person you've ever slept with. Yeah. Um, and that's something to keep in mind. But it's interesting that men are much more concerned about, you're not screwing them, right? Then they're fine. 
And women are more concerned with are you having long discussions and, and, and going out for coffee? And they really should be concerned with the sex part, too. Oh, no, I'm not saying they wouldn't be concerned. I think, I think you know, if you come home and say to your wife, well, yeah, uh, I wouldn't have had a meaningless sexual encounter with a woman. That's okay, right? Because we're not close. <laughs> I, th- I think you probably have some problems. <laughs> I think that's a problem. You know, uh, I just, just as I think if a woman came home and said, you know, I've shared my deepest secrets with this guy, but I'm not screwing him. You'd probably go, yeah, but that's a little odd. A little comfortable. You know, but... So, again, I'm not saying... And again, this is not a prescription, so I'm not saying that men should say, well, go home and say, well, you know, screw with this woman, but, you know, I'd even tell her my real name, so that's okay, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's not gonna... Women, that wouldn't fly, right? I'm just guessing. So, a little pro tip to the guys out there, don't try that. (laughs) Don't try that. I think it'd get you in a lot of trouble. But Dave said this was cool. No, I didn't. I never said that, okay? But it's interesting to look at that because, I mean, it, it makes complete sense because women being more interested in characteristics, resources, one of the resources that women can be interested in is a characteristic, right? A personality characteristic, like being faithful. That's a personality characteristic, like being good with children, like having a sense of humor. These are characteristics, these are, these, but they're actually resources that, that the guy's bringing. They're, they're behavioral resources at all. Right? Or cognitive resources. Right? right? Some conclusions then. First thing is don't fall for the naturalistic fallacy. It's really easy here. This is way too easy to, to say that this is like this, so it's right, so... You know, the idea that, well, men should be doing this. Um, Bill Moore, who I think is a tremendous comedian, I think he's very funny and very clever, uses evolutionary explanations for why he never got married and that he only sleeps with, with uh, that he has all these affairs and, and uh, such with uh, porn stars. You don't need to justify that. That's fine. That's your choice. But you don't say, it's because of evolution. No, you say, it's because I like sleeping with porn stars. And I'm famous enough that I can. Go ahead, go nuts, right? You know, but don't use it as a, as a, as a, as a crutch. Um, and I don't think we do. We ever do this stuff consciously. Are there women that are going around saying, "I wonder how much money this guy makes"? Yes. Are there guys that are constantly going, "Well, I'm with her now, and she's really great, but if I could find someone that had nicer X, Y, or Z, I'd leave her." Are there guys like that? Yes. We know that. But most of us aren't making these calculations consciously. Um, the interesting thing to me is with women increasingly in the workforce and making more and more money and then closing the gender gap in, in uh, uh, salary, when I, I remember when I started graduate school, it was about 65 cents in the dollar when we made. So that's in the late, late 80s. And it's, again, it's not great that it's higher than that, that it's still in the 70s or maybe low 80s, but it's better than it was. Um, and with men doing much more childcare than we used to, uh, I remember my dad proudly telling me how he'd never changed a diaper in his life. Well, three kids, never done in his life. So I don't even know how. How the hell do you do that? I'm not going to do that. It's ridiculous. Gee, Dad, it's not that hard. It's not that big a deal. You know. But. 
No, it's, it's not complicated. It's not really that hard at all. But men doing a lot more childcare, these differences actually seem to be pretty steady. And that's what gets me is that even though men are doing things that are, we would call traditionally more female role stuff, and women are doing more traditional male role stuff, the differences seem pretty steady. So that's something that uh, tells me that, well, yes, society is in effect, nobody's going to deny that. But is it just the way society is structured? I don't think it's just that. Questions? Comments at all? I think it's cool guys staying home and doing the child care. Sure. Like, I got a friend who does that. Yeah. Care of the kids and not just using it as an excuse to, you know, neglect the kid. Yeah. Oh, I got a friend who does that right now. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. My friend James in, in Regina, he, he stays home and sometimes makes very funny YouTube videos, but he hasn't been <laughs> yeah. six years. But he's a comedian. Um, but yeah, he stays home with his kids. He's waiting until they're old enough. His wife's got a really good job. He's waiting until the kids are old enough and both in school all day, and then he might go back to doing comedy writing and stuff. But, uh, and he's very, very funny. Probably keeps the kids in the community. That's uh, for sure. But yeah, but I mean, there's, it's, I, I'm the one who picks up my son and takes him to school, uh, picks up at school, you know, it's, I, would, I would never, it doesn't even, it never ever once occurred to me to say to my wife, well, I'm not going to do that, I'm a man. <laughs> and any of you who have met my wife would know that that wouldn't go over well. At all. <laughs> and it shouldn't. Right? It shouldn't anyway. But yeah, I think it's perfect. I think it's in fact I wanted to be and I want to be involved with kids, right? Because I just like kids anyway. I think kids are funny. Even if they're kind of slow and stupid, right? I mean kids don't know anything. So you can tell them anything you want and they believe it. It's fun. And well with the internet, they pretty much raise themselves now. <laughs> Homer Simpson. Thanks, guys, and I will see you next time. We're going to get a test from our survey, not next week, but I think we'll get after the part of the week
This podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right. Giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want, okay? Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.